Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to entangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey friends, Kate here, and you are listening to the Heart of Dating Podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Whether you are a new listener to our crew or an HOD veteran, you are welcome here, and I'm so happy to have you. Now, here's the thing. We love our community, and we'd love for it to continue to grow and expand and all the things, but we can't do it alone. So two things I want to encourage you guys to do today. First, come join our Instagram fam over at at Heart of Dating. And if you like what you're hearing in these episodes, would you do us a favor and screenshot this on your phone right now and share it in your Insta stories? It would be awesome and it helps us so much to get just more discovered. Also, we have a new private Facebook community and I'd love for you to come and be a part of it. First thing you're going to do is go to facebook.com forward slash heart of dating and you're going to go ahead and like the heart of dating Facebook page. Then on the left hand side, you can hit groups and you can request to join the private heart of dating podcast community. We created this so you can have a space to share what your struggles are and feel empowered and encouraged with both men and women around you to support you. We have been having the most epic conversations. It is blowing my mind. So I want to encourage you to just come and join our private tribe. It is so much fun. Now, friends, it's about to be Valentine's Day. So I want to encourage you today to show yourself so much love and kindness. Think about it. How do you best receive love? What is one thing that you can do this week to show yourself some extra love? Remember that God is more interested in your dating life than you are. You do not have to spend another Valentine's Day disappointed or lacking love. This year can be different. So now I want to transition into talking about our encouraging episode today. I really wanted to do an episode on singleness and thriving in it and also how to combat loneliness. So I brought on Carrie Lloyd, who is a phenomenal woman and is doing all of these things as a 38-year-old single woman. Carrie is an author, a speaker, a pastor at Bethel, and also a coach. She originally worked in film and TV advertising in the UK, and then she went on to become a journalist for British National Magazines, where she found herself writing about love and relationships. Now she pastors people of all ages, guiding them through marriage, singleness, writing, and destining dreaming. She is also a podcast host herself of the Carry On podcast, so it's so much fun. Y'all go take a listen. She also wrote two books on dating and sexual ethics called Prude and the Virgin Monologues, and both of them are phenomenal, so go check them out on Amazon. Today, we talk about all things singleness. Carrie shares her heart and journey of finding freedom and hope in her singleness life, as well as how she has learned to be 38 and single and love the journey. 
Friends, this conversation is rich and encouraging and super helpful. And so I am thrilled that you get to hear about this as we go into the Valentine's holiday. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the lovely Carrie Lloyd. Carrie Lloyd, girl, welcome to Heart of Dating today. So happy to have you. Oh, it's lovely to be with you. What a treat. <laughs> it is a treat. I love it. We're both bright and early recording here. You're earlier than I am right now because I'm oh, in Texas. <laughs> well, you're worth it. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. The words everyone <laughs> wants to hear, right? <laughs> you're worth it. Especially on, this Especially on this topic of dating. That's for sure. Right? <laughs> So I love that as fellow single girls are uniting because it's just in time for Valentine's Day. All right. (laughs) Like maybe we love the holiday. Maybe we hate the holiday. I don't know. But by the end of this episode, I hope people just feel just encouraged. Um, One, that they're not alone. And two, just encouraged in the season that they're in. Um, So before we even get on that, will you just tell us a little about who you are and what what you do, girl? (laughs) I know. It's a great question. I I ask that every morning, actually, because I do a sort of... uh, a collection of different things. I'm a pastor in Northern California, but of course the accent throws everyone off. So I'm British originally. I used to work in film and TV and 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 did quite a pendulum swing of changes of career. Went into uh, writing and journalism. Uh, wrote a couple of books. Had a blog on singleness and dating, which mm-hmm. of course, as you may have found out, uh, gets you into a very tricky spot because as soon as you go on dates with people, they ask you to sign a disclaimer <laughs> that they don't get involved in any of your blogs or any of your material. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, trust me. I am definitely on that boat right now. (laughs) Oh, gosh. The most uncomfortable um, thing is on a first date. They're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm I'm a speaker. I I have a podcast. And they're like, what's the podcast about? I'm like, um. Gardening. (laughs) Gardening. Exactly. seeds. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so that was, that was, that's been my journey, but I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I passed a pastors at the moment mm. and, um, uh, it's been a, a fabulous year so far and I'm, I'm coming back. I've now got my green card. I'm coming back into a bit more writing and a bit more speaking. And so I'm excited to see what 2019 brings really. It's mm. all a matter of trust as mm. you, as you know. Oh, completely. And so I love that. I love what you've been up to. I've listened to your podcast that you have, and I'm aware of your amazing books, which are just incredible. So girl, the reason why I'm just so excited today is because it is Valentine's Day. And especially around this time of year, it kind of becomes, I feel like, not just National Love Day, but also National Single Awareness Day. Um, And I personally feel this in many ways. And if I'm just being really honest, really honest, last year, I spent Valentine's Day eating gluten-free free mac and cheese, drinking wine and stalking an ex-boyfriend. And that's just, that was it. That was my, (laughs) and so I said, I vow for this year to be different. (laughs) Well, have you noticed how many people go on social media fast or a silent vow for a week? (laughs) Honestly. Um, Okay. I I feel it. Is this connected on some level? Yeah. Perhaps. Or you have the very defined, well, it's just a day of commercialism, quite frankly, and I'm mm. not going to fall for that whole thing. So I, I just see these amazing responses to it. I, I think, I, I mean, for many years, I think over the journey, I've done lots of, we've done lots of Galentines mm-hmm. and girls' nights and, um, or, and or all the singles come together and have a big party. And I hope to very yeah. much people. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Been the most successful, mind you, we had one particular 
year that me and the male it was me and a male friend and we decided to do this sort of party together but it, it it's like we sort of just invited everyone that was single <laughs> rather than strategically thought whether anyone was compatible so it ended up being a bit like a school show when you're, te- when you're a teenager and all the girls were in one room and the guys were in another and I oh my important. goodness like the middle school dances or junior high oh <laughs> Bless that. So, yeah, no, no, no. So strategic <laughs> matching of singles together. Yes. Probably the best way forward. Which honestly okay. needs to happen more. But okay, yes. so we've established we're both single. Tell me what life yes. is like for you right now as a single woman. <laughs> well, I just hide under a rock um, and people just put little plates of food underneath it and then I slip it out. Um, no, I, I, I honestly would say honestly I'm 38 now um it's been a while since I've been in serious relationship with someone mm. um I do a plenty I do plenty amounts of dating I would say yeah. um not not with everybody that gives me an opportunity to have a date with them <laughs> but I do like to give someone a chance and I normally tend to, my dates tend to just look like developing friendships with people mm. now because I think there's such pressure and so much nervousness not for me yeah. but for other people that might go on a date with me. <laughs> maybe that's something more to do with myself but um <laughs> they're like wait Carrie has written these books and she's a pastor and like wait yeah, <laughs> guys and wear different hats um I think for me it's just it's it's honestly a, a, it's very important I think to be honest about how you're feeling and I used to be very defiant and uh, say we don't need a man and be very independent and I think I was so scared of having hope in this one particular area mm. that I kept very busy mm. um, to a point of burnout yeah. and then um, I I just filled in the time thinking if I do something and if I have a career and if I make my life purposeful then, you know, this will all make sense, me being single. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is I didn't really hold on to hope fully. Mm. Um, and I, so was, I lived in this sort of half and half, have a little bit of hope, but only when I have time to think about it. But I try not to think about it too much. And mm. I didn't really allow the Lord to speak into any of the pain of it, you know. And honestly, I would then just fill in time when I did have opportunities of dating, I didn't really know what I wanted. Mm. And I also didn't really know who I was. So I'm in this really nice spot, to be honest with you, where I've stopped burning out. And I and the last year is a really big turning point for me, honestly. Mm. You can see people around about 34 starting to lose a little bit of faith in whether oh. they're going to meet someone. Mm. When you get to 38, there's this, oh gosh, I still haven't met anyone I'm in my late 30s mm. and of course I've got you know, girlfriends in their 40s and 50s that are, are still in that journey mm. and it's a constant phase of having to have another conversation mm. and and ensuring that we don't lose the opportunity to actually have a little bit of pain in it yeah. because I think then I actually get wisdom on it and I also get a lot of comfort from the one that's supposed to be giving you comfort not the comfort of an unnecessary relationship that isn't actually very good for you. Mm. That's so good because it is so hard. Like we just have to be real that as it, as we get older, Mm. as we see what's happening around us, um, it's hard to not question like, will my time ever come or am Mm. I actually valuable or am I actually worthy of this? And so kind of Mm. that's bringing up for me just the thought of comparison and which comparison Mm. is obviously we all know, like it's a toxic thing, but 
it's, it doesn't mean it's never going to happen. Um, we can know it's toxic, mm-hmm. but to never engage in it is another mm-hmm. thing. So how have you learned to just combat that comparison as you've grown older, as you're now 38, comparison mm-hmm. from either other friends who are married or just um, it, media, yeah. rom-coms or social exactly. media, like all of it? How have you been able to kind of combat that? I would say a few things. One is I actually have friends mm. that are married and friends that are single. So not just compartmentalizing my friends to suit my own season. Mm. And uh, it was one of the toughest times for me, I think, honestly, with me still being single and other friends getting married, is when some of those friends make a decision that they no longer want to be as close to you because it's more convenient for them to have couples as friends oh. because they're in a couple now. And that's probably the most painful part of being single is less the comparison because if I look around at all these wonderful marriages that surround me I don't want to marry any of those guys those aren't the guys for me mm-hmm. that's to then not one of them is my husband if that makes sense yeah so comparison helps if you're a little bit rational going even yeah, none of those husbands would, you would want to marry <laughs> they're all different makeup they have different personalities um and so I, it's a nice sweet reminder going no my guy's going to be quite different actually mm. um and so reminding yourself to have friends around you that see you for exactly who you are that want the things that you want but don't wish that you were in a different season for them for them to feel more comfortable it's actually quite painful for people that are getting into relationships with their single friends because they don't know how to navigate Mm. It's like they're giving them some bad news saying, we're not going to be spending all of our time with each other, mm. you know. And um, so they sometimes just avoid that. So for me, I've, I've, I've done a pretty good job, I would say, of having really good friends around me that actually know exactly who I am, believe in me, mm. and um, and are the hopeful ones that on days that you're having a little bit of a despairing moment, um, they surround you going, it's going to happen. Yeah. This is just just not the end of the chapter. It's been a long chapter, but it's just not the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also having free friends that dream beyond marriage and children. Yeah. So I've got one of my closest girlfriends. She's got five children and a, a brilliant husband. And one of the things I would say is that <clears throat> I actually have noticed an awful lot of the times um, – they they dream about things way beyond their family and it doesn't mean to say they're not important but they're doing amazing things for the city they have a safe mm. house in Cambodia that's anti-sex trafficking and oh, wow. uh, they do amazing things outside of their marriage and family and so I'm a big dreamer outside of the relationship I've had to be I think yeah. um and I've had to and that's why I think the likes of Paul in the gospel was yeah. so profound because he actually recognized his purpose and uh, and calling and drive for his relationship with the Lord and, and to bring people to the early, this early church that he had formed with the other apostles. I think it's it's very it's very important to dream outside of relationships and um, family because otherwise we get ourselves into a very small bracket and then of course you're just miserable. I totally agree. And I, I had someone actually ask me this question more recently, like, okay, so I feel like God has called me to be a wife or to be a mother. And I feel like that's part of my purpose, but what do I do until then? And I'm like, Mm. that's great. That's amazing that you have that desire and that you feel God's put Mm. that on your heart. 
But I don't think that that's the only thing God wants to use you in. And so right. how can you steward your current season well? And like what you're saying, like, yeah, have these dreams, have a vision mm-hmm. for your life as a single, mm-hmm. like looking at Paul and the ministry he created from inside the you know walls of a jail yeah. or whatever. Like he did yeah. so much. He said, my circumstances don't define me basically through what he did, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like as singles, we can kind of see that and say, it's not like a small deal. I'm like, think about it. Think about what Paul was doing. Like, that's crazy. Um, I don't think I would have, I don't know if I could have that much um, perseverance, endurance, boldness, and courage to like continue to go after what I feel God was calling me to if I was in those circumstances. Absolutely. Uh, and so, but he did. And I think we kind of like read over stories in the Bible or situate and we're like, oh, that's great. But like, can we just sit and take in like, that's huge. And we can also yeah. do that today. And we're not in a prison, you know? Um, yeah. well, he had a huge amount of community as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was so very true. proactive in correspondence. Yeah. Hence the letter. And very proactive at who he was spending most of his intentional time towards. And I would say to your friend that was saying, you know, I feel like I'm wired to be a mother and a wife and we have these yearnings. I just don't think they were built in us to tease us. They're Mm -hmm. definitely things that we feel like we can't switch on until we are married and have children. And I've seen it be pretty toxic in relationships when the girls are like, okay, let's go. Let's get married. Let's get married. And they get very um, impatient with the guy that is just trying to enjoy the moment with them and just mm. discovering them. And so for me, I, I'm like, there are actually many other areas that you can actually force, force is the wrong word, encourage or even build the muscle of, mm. so your maternal instinct, for example, well, who are the people in your life that you could be maternal towards mm, at the moment? Good. And the younger people that are actually desperately needing a spiritual mother. Mm. For me, I'd been pastoring. So that certainly takes up an awful lot of, the muscle that wants to cover and nurture and help someone through a crisis Mm. Um, instead of being able to cook for my boyfriend or do a nice candle at dinner, I'll do one for six of us um, that are all just longing to have community too. Um, And so there are many different areas and I know it's not quite the same because in an intimate relationship where you really get to be witnessing another person very much in depth is not the same as having community of six people and you're all sort of on different seasons and have to navigate dynamics all the time mm. um but it, it, i think we've got to be careful not just to assist, we, we just sit and wait for exactly. somebody to come and then it just puts so much codependency into that relationship oh, from the get-go my favorite word or not favorite <laughs> word but the codependency <laughs> is so true <laughs> it's like now yeah. i'm d- fully dependent on you and how you treat me and how what you do to me fully defines who i am oh my gosh yeah. i say it from the lips of a person who's so guilty of this in the past uh, to find yeah. so many of my past relationships but it doesn't have to if we're aware of it um yeah. something else i love that you brought up is just relationship with married couples. Um, I do think like, how can we as singles? Cause that's the heart. That's hard, right? Like even when you're in a dating relationship, you're like, Oh, let's just get together with all the couples, even in dating. And then you actually, Mm -hmm. even though you're not married, you still leave out all your single friends, even from that. Um, how can we encourage, what do we do as singles? Like with married couples who are doing that? Um, how can we even step in and maybe say something to those married people? What do you think about that? Do you mean as in the way that they are with us and the fact that they are? Yeah. Yeah. Because we celebrate, so we, we celebrate marriages, we celebrate babies, 
How can we encourage like the married people around us? Like, Hey, I still matter too, um, you know, um, or have conversations with them. Cause I think we just kind of accept it as that's the way it is. And I don't think we really have to. Yeah, I think that's true. We actually have, um, we sometimes wait upon the marrieds to, um, invite us to dinner. Mm-hmm. Whereas I started to just instigate dinners on my own for them to come to us. And so, and if they said no, they said no. And I think we have to be very careful of our expectations of marriage, recognizing they do actually have quite a lot of responsibilities um, of children and um, work and keeping the house over their heads. <laughs> um, so I think, I think it has to come with a lightness, uh, uh, not a disappointment. There'll be some married couples that just don't have that ability to in, in, involve themselves into your lifestyle, which is fine. Um, you have to kind of, smell the roses on this one in the sense of those couples that I I refer to they just really love me and so they just invite me to every everything that they want want me to be Mm. at um and equally I do the same with them towards me but there's this sort of lovely dance of you know we might be busy with work we might be um you know a month until we see each other again um, but I would say this, it's so important for me to have married couples around because they are, they do have a bit more of a sort of knowledgeable understanding of covenant yeah. and, and what is necessary in marriage for it to work. And I, so I have healthy marriages around me and it always surprises people when I say, you know, if, if those married couples sit around me and I bring a guy that I'm interested in to dinner and they, and they're very open-minded but if they turn around to me and said, actually, Kaz, this isn't the guy for you. I'm not feeling it. He feels a bit controlling, actually. Or, you know, so unless he's willing to work on that stuff, just just be a little bit more mindful. Mm. Um, I it really surprises people when I go, OK, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it. And I actually have on a few occasions just not followed through on that relationship. People are stunned because they're like, how do other people get that much power in your life? And I'm like, because I actually get so subjective. Mm-hmm. with knowing my weakness and my my um my desire to be married I can just give everyone the benefit of the doubt yeah. and not see a very bad thing coming <laughs> so um I really value those those marriages, and I've had conversations where hey do you mind being that committee of people that if I bring someone to the table and I know that you have hope for me to be married. So you're not going to be sticklers or possessive or protective. You actually, And you will challenge me when I'm being difficult. Mm. But can you be the ones to speak into it? And I think sometimes that in, in itself gives them a, a sense of duty and a, and a privilege yeah. to be in your life. And so they want to be in your life just to see you and in, in, you know, encourage you in your dreams, never mind just the guys that you're dating. Mm. I love this too, because it's kind of reminding me of like the pay it forward thing. Like once we do get married, it's a beautiful thing to be able to come around singles and help singles and kind of give them that wise counsel. I love that. Like, and we should seek that out as singles. And then conversely, as singles, you know, as we get older, we can still use what we've learned to still disciple and mentor people younger. So it's kind of like this pay it forward thing where we are still always striving for just spreading wisdom and spreading comfort and love and 
and helping people mm. in different seasons of life um, based on what we've learned, kind of. You know, it's like mm. when you're married, you can help the singles um, and singles, you can still help other singles or people who are younger um, and encourage them on their journey. And I just love that kind of picture of just like continuously giving um, and not siloing it. Like when you start dating or once you finally get married, not siloing it to like, okay, now it's only my marriage and only focusing on that, but also keep remembering the singles. Well, it's true because I, you know, on, on my podcast recently, I I recorded a single manifesto. Yeah, that so I basically, the things that I'd experienced as a single, where I'd felt left out, where mm. people had forgotten me because they'd moved on, um, or I had very naive comments being given to me, going, "Will you understand when you're married? Will oh, you understand when you have a child?" And it's it's not only patronising; it's very hurtful for people mm. that have just so longed to have children or that fantastic line of like you probably need to hurry up oh I was supposed to hurry up oh I'm I didn't even think of that thank you for bringing <laughs> oh that to my so so um, I wrote this single manifesto of things that I promised I would never do mm. once I ever get married oh, to so my good. single friends so things that I will always include I will have a dinner every week or every 10 days to make sure that you guys have a place at the table. Mm. Um, I will never uh, suggest that you don't know as much about life as I do. And that's the beauty again about having married friends and family going, Carrie, honestly, I know we've had three children, but it doesn't necessarily change you. You learn an awful lot about what your limitations are and what your capacity Mm. is. But knowing you and knowing that you've kind of lived as living your best life as much as you can, um, you'll you'll learn things but you don't become a better person necessarily Mm. and that was so actually weirdly so comforting because there are times where those lines get under your skin a bit and you start to question I remember crying my eyes out about Mm. seven years ago at one of those comments Um, and I realized it was really starting to make me wonder my question my worth and I felt very outcast Mm. and you know Christ was very big about loving the outcast and Mm. yet even in the church we're doing a terrible job actually creating more of an isolated sensation for those that are single and yet over 50% of the churches yeah. um, are single, mm-hmm. you know. And so it, we fe- it's more and more ways of just feeling isolated to that point, like even it, within yeah. the church, which is why I'm so passionate about doing this podcast and just spreading conversations because yeah. I found that in some ways pastors are like, some pastors, especially married, are like, well, I don't even know what I'd say to the dating people because I, I'm i not there anymore. <laughs> it's 2019. Yeah. And I'm like, no, but we yeah. still need you to serve us in some way. Just create an, like, yeah. an opening. And um, I love that single manifesto that you did on the end of that podcast. Like, Or you said it at the end of that uh, mm-hmm. one podcast you did on singleness. And it was so powerful. I almost was crying <laughs> listening mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. because I'm like, <clears throat> how beautiful is that? Like we – we can use what we've learned in the singleness and and use that in our life currently, but also when we are married um, and we can help change the culture of it. Um, and something. And I think it's also, sorry. No, go I ahead. Totally no, you go ahead, girl. One of the things that I have noticed at times when you, when it's a healthy marriage, people don't normally get insular or they just focus on the other person and then their children. The healthiest marriages that are very kingdom focused are only add to the table, only invite more people in. Yeah. And 
I've noticed that sometimes because we've been so fixated and so almost idolatrizing um, marriage, we have lost the opportunity of all the amazing things and the freedom that we have as singles to do much bigger and bolder things than you even recognize. And Mm. the irony is you probably meet them whilst you're doing it. Mm. But um, I I think we've got to be so careful that we don't make marriage an idol. And um, and that's where I I honestly have seen some of my favorite people on the planet are still waiting for their their person, so to speak. And um, but they don't think they're unlovable. Mm. They are utilizing to the full all of the time that they get to spend in dreaming and living Mm. at a vulnerable risk of just trying out their dreams. Friends, I want to take a quick pause in today's episode to tell you about something I am so excited about. I just want to say that I know the struggle is real with dating in our current culture. It can be murking and confusing and sometimes just so frustrating. Do you ever feel like you have no idea what you're doing or that you keep trying and failing or that you just don't know how to handle hard situations or conversations with people? Or maybe you just feel stuck in a dating wasteland with no good potentials. I get it and I have felt a ton of those exact same things. Now a huge issue when it comes to dating is that we don't have a ton of great resources out there for guidance. The Bible doesn't talk about dating because it didn't exist at the time. And now today about 50% of the church in the US is single and even that number is growing. So the problem is that we need resources. I get it. I get all your frustrating feelings. So I have made it a goal of mine to research and talk to pastors and watch videos and read as many books as I can just so that I can be equipped to do this podcast as well as go into my own dating life with the best and sharpest possible tools. And I have exciting news today. I have compiled all of my favorite dating resources and created a free resource guide for you so you don't have to scour for all the best things to read or watch anymore. It is called The 7 Resources to Change the Dating Game. I truly believe that this guide will help you navigate this journey with clarity and intention. It is going to help you to sharpen the tools in your toolbox and get out there and date amazingly. You can grab this free resource by visiting heartofdating.com forward slash seven resources. That is heartofdating.com forward slash seven resources. I am so excited for you guys to get your hands on this incredible free resource. What's bringing up for me is also just the idea of loneliness. Um, And because I always say that there is kind of a difference between being lonely and actually being alone. Uh, But so many singles struggle with loneliness and I get that. Uh, But how have you learned, I guess, through your life to battle loneliness, especially as you get older? Like what have you done to really figure out like practically even in your life, like what does that look like to just battle that loneliness? Mm. I think to be honest with you, uh, the loneliness and being alone I, I, my particular role is constantly teaching in front of people. So I can be speaking to 800 people, but I can come off stage, come home and feel very alone, Mm -hmm. even though I've just been in many, many crowds of people. The key is to have a crew, crew amount of people that actually 
can see you without the mask on. Not that I wear a mask in, intentionally, but I think mm. there's sometimes an expectation if you're a leader of the room, if you're a boss, if you are influential in somehow in your own kind of sphere. Um, it's important to have friends that you're not trying to impress. Mm. It's important to have people that will challenge you if you're trying to impress. Yeah. Um, and it's important to have people that just care about you. Um, and that sometimes actually it, it starts from us caring about other people, believe it or not. I think when I see people complain about not being having enough people, they don't have people to care for them, I worries them. My question is, what did you do to care for somebody else? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Or have you been twiddling your thumbs in the hope that someone will just come and help you out? Or what are you bringing to the table? What are you mm. actually, are you actually asking other people about their day? And it's quite fascinating to me. I had this conversation with a, a sort of a spiritual father of mine the other day. And he said, Kerry, be just surprised at how many people do really do think about themselves, especially the ones that have become almost victim mentality and feeling very lonely. Mm. Um, now, it doesn't mean to say that everyone who's feeling lonely has a victim mentality, but I think sometimes we don't ask the questions, what can I actually do about this? Because I'm mm. sure there's something I'm missing here. Mm. Um, on top of that, I also try and do things that actually make me come alive. For me, I actually need as much time on my own as possible because I'm often in my role, I'm, I'm pulled on quite a lot. So um, instead of just binging on Netflix, I think it's important to try and find things that are actually making you come alive. Yeah. Um, and that's different for everyone. Mm. So it's not just the journey of um, uh, uh, finding people to fill in the time. It's actually having enough space to uh, have that constant conversation with the Lord throughout the day, whether you're with a lot of people or on your own and mm. asking, asking how the Lord is doing, what the Lord's grieving over, kind of getting away from this introspection that can take place when we are singles. Mm. Um, and I've been guilty of it a lot of time. Um, but I, I really, whenever I get into, when I can feel myself getting into an introspective level because I'm feeling lonely, then I really have to work very hard in focusing on other people, honestly, because um, I think that's what made Paul so profound mm. we've talked about Paul an awful lot but he does talk to I think the reason why we re reference Paul so much is he's the only one that really talked about singleness yeah. um as in I wish you would I wish you were all single so that you <laughs> had your undivided devotion to the Lord you yeah. know yeah and I think there is something in this where I'm like yeah so what does undivided devotion look like and it doesn't look like filling in the spots for my own loneliness it actually means that with the compassion that I so long to have when I'm lonely I actually find space to give that to other people there's always someone more lonely than you. So go find them mm. and go and help them, you know. And we're called to be a cut above. We're called to be set apart. So it's in these moments that we have to distinguish ourselves as being believers in the Lord that comes to comfort, but also uses you to co-label with him to comfort other people. What's so fascinating is that I often find that kind of that solitude can be intimidating for people. And mm. I think that if you're not okay with yourself alone, then how mm. are you going to be okay with yourself with someone else? It doesn't mm. make that go away. Um, mm. Because even if you're married, it's not like there's, there's that person might go on a business trip or you still, yeah. you're still going to have time alone even when you're married. So I think it's so important to figure out ways to cultivate like enjoying and loving solitude. Um, yeah. and some of those disciplines like silence, solitude and stillness, you know, but the solitude part is how can we actually love being with mm. ourselves? And that was a big part of my journey where 
I didn't know how to be alone. I didn't, I didn't like it. It made me anxious. I had extreme FOMO. I had to be a part of everything. But when I really broke that down, I realized it's because I don't really know what I'm like when I'm just with myself. And I'm kind Mm. of terrified to just look at myself and have that time just with myself and God. Like I I really was at the end of the day. Mm. And so I've had to go on this journey of how can I love being by myself. Like mm. for someone who is a doer, I I need I'm a 3 on the enneagram and that, those types of people that kind of the 2 3 4s, they really need more solitude um because mm. they're they so crave people. Uh and so I've had to go on this journey of like okay god, help me to love myself. Like one of the biggest things that was hard 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 for me to do, I think it was about a year and a half ago, was to actually go alone to a movie. And it was like, I did not want to do it. I was like, no, because part of watching the movie is like, I'm like looking at my friend or whoever I'm with and smiling and you laugh together. And I like fed off of that. And I liked that experience. And so I said, you know, why am I so afraid of this? Let me do it. And so I went to a movie by myself, girl. And it was, it just so happened to be a crier. And I actually was really thankful about this because I bawled my eyes out and I was alone. And I was like, this is better because I, no one has to watch me ball my eyes out. I could do it in solitude and it feels good. And so now I've gotten trying to cultivate this practice of like taking myself on a date night. Okay. If I'm in a season, a dry spell, okay, whatever, a dry spell of no, not a ton of dates. Why can't I like buy myself flowers and go to dinner and, and mm. also like, it's so cheesy sounding and I get it, but like have a date with God. Okay. And yeah. bring God into the solitude time. Like I might go to a restaurant and bring a book and have a glass of wine and journal and literally just be talking to God. Literally. It's like, yeah. Yeah. But it's been the sweetest moments to actually be able to enjoy who I am alone. You know, um, I don't know. I just wanted well, to I say think- that because it's, it's so important, I think. Well, this is what I mean about the opportunities that we have when we're single. We have the opportunities to stretch muscles that you won't get to necessarily stretch when you're actually with someone. You don't get to hide behind someone. You don't get to um, just comfort yourself with the company of your partner. And then you don't have to think about things that you actually should perhaps be looking at and confronting. Um, You build this sense of Mm self-management, self-management and purity and sexual ethics and all those kind of things. You know, when I've mentioned this in times before in some of the stuff I'm teaching, you can feel on a guy or a girl whether they've got some element of a porn addiction on them. There's mm. a sense that, and it's not so much that they're full of It's actually just you can feel how, how non-still they are. They're not mm. peaceful. They're yeah. constantly erratic. They're co- constantly trying to fill in um, from uh, from you. You can feel the pull that they're mm. bringing in to satisfy something that they should be stretching and, and confronting themselves. And so that sense of being alone is another part of stretching the muscle. Um, and I love it. I, I actually love spending time with myself and love hanging out and discovering something new. And I actually, um, John Mark Comer, I think you've had him as a guest. Oh, yes. He's the, he's so good, John Mark. Right. So he's amazing about talking about the Sabbath. And I know he often talks about spending that with his family, but there is something about the Sabbath that I get to 
I don't put anything in my diary now from Friday afternoon till Saturday. And mm. um, no matter how much my PA is trying to change that, I'm, <laughs> I'm basically, I'm like, no, no, this is me time. Yeah. And so I, so I look forward to every Saturday and Friday going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do this weekend? And it sometimes will be with friends and it'll be dinners and those kind of things. But the phone is off. I, mm. I have gone, I have reverted, I have big news. I have reverted to, wait for it the landline telephone. <gasps> what? I no. know. I've literally, I've literally made a decision for about a month or two to go back to that. Of course, everyone hates it. Oh like, my well, goodness. I, wait, that so I can't is... text you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, you either email me or it's a delightful thing called calling someone. Oh and my so, word. You don't text so at all? I've, I don't. I'm, I did well, not I'm know weaning this. off. I'm oh, going through oh like my a goodness. two week thing of weaning off because of course everyone is so used to texting me <sighs> that they've forgotten that I'm not going to respond. So now I'm starting to go, uh, you can email me that. You can email me that. <laughs> you can email me that. So I'm, it's actually harder for my friends than it is for me because I've made the executive decision. But now I'm requesting my friends to sort of come join <laughs> me and ways. not texting me. Yeah, exactly. Well, she's really selfish in some ways. But at the same time, I'm just trying it out. And I'm not joking. I'm way more present. My housemate was saying, there is a, there, you do feel more present in the sense of your phone's not blowing up. You're not distracted with your emails coming through at 8, 9 at night, which you would want to be responding so you keep on top of the game and this constant I must catch up and mm. I'm not falling behind yeah. but I would say it's really lovely at the idea of like if a guy does call he calls my landline telephone <laughs> and I'm sort of like I wonder who it is because I don't have caller display I can't change the screen people if I don't you know and it's actually really good for me it's stretching this other muscle of like yeah I either answer the phone because I can or I don't because I can't I don't I don't have to go through this constant the world is rushing at me oh, I swear wow. it's changing the game I may actually always stay to a landline telephone <laughs> until I get until my car breaks down and then I and then and you're then like I need to call spot. yes yeah, exactly no I admire you um, so much I honestly love that I I will not say that I'm committing to do the same but I do agree <laughs> with boundaries <laughs> I do think man girl that is like oh my goodness convicting and also like I don't know I if I could but I respect it. And the thing that you're saying is though, it's like boundaries and you're recognizing like that's a huge distraction. And it also, it makes it so people have to be intentional with you, which also is great because if you're dating, Mm. the guy has to be intentional, right? (laughs) Like he has to call you. Um, And that's actually incredible. Like we, there are so many things that can just be solved over a simple conversation over versus Mm. a 30 minute text conversation. Like we could have solved this in five minutes over the phone. Um, it's like, totally. But we've drawn it out for 30 minutes over text. Yeah. <laughs> oh my word. Yeah. And something else. Okay. So first of all, props to you. That's incredible. <laughs> I, love, I love it. Um, and something I'm just thinking in this, that you've just like grown to love your time alone and with yourself and in mm. solitude and all of that. I think it kind of, also nods at the fact that in singleness, a huge component of this that I think is at the core. When I hear people saying, I'm weary in my singleness, I feel so lonely. What is coming to mind over and over is actually the element of self-love because Mm -hmm. we have to love ourselves. And part of the self-love is actually practicing self-care. And sometimes with self-care and you creating this boundary is a self-care thing, honestly. It's a self-care. It's creating time for for Sabbath. But 
um, and just more space in your life to be more present. And that's also taking care of yourself. But I think as singles, it's a beautiful time for us to be able to actually cultivate amazing self-care, like disciplines that we can carry into marriage, right? Um, By stopping the hustle, by saying, okay, no, I need to do this thing to really make myself feel loved. Uh, I think we wait so often to just feel that love from another person. We're like, well, I just need the flowers from the guy on Valentine's Day, or I just need to be asked out on a date. I'm like, well, what can you do for yourself to cultivate love for yourself? Because we need to still be able to fill our love bucket, even if it's not being filled by another person? Like how do we fill that on our own with God's love, um, Mm. with loving on ourselves? Um, So I'm just curious in ways like if you've – like how you've possibly practiced self-care in your life or could inspire singles to do that as a 38-year-old woman who's probably, I'm sure, been through some of that. I don't just read self-help books because sometimes that can actually do the opposite of self-care. It actually can make me go, right, well, it's another thing you need to work on. Mm. (laughs) And then um, I think when it comes to self-care, I think there's a difference between self-care and self-love, actually. Self-care, I would say, would be more the physical things, Mm. um, the massages, the exercise, which is really good for my brain. Um, Lots of these different things, the physical impacts, you know, the eating well, eating healthy. Um, I actually think bizarrely one of the self-love things is not so much what we do for ourselves but actually learning how we were wired and why we do what we do Mm. so I actually have really loved asking the Lord why did you what have you distinctively wired in me that is different to everyone else around me or is similar to other people why do I draw these particular types of people in you know I've been learning an awful lot that I love to have in-depth conversation with my friends but I don't want it always to be there I actually want it to be light and joyful and goofy Mm. so I have I'm I'm sort of learning an awful lot about myself in how the Lord's wired me and that for me feels a deeper substance than self-care or self-love to be Mm. honest with you and it also helps me not going on to the selfish tone which I think a lot of people think self-love is Mm. um I would say actually it becomes one of the most selfless things to do is to take care of yourself and to love yourself because also you 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 developed trust before yourself because you never question your motives or your incentives with other people when you know that you take care of yourself I love that so self yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> no, hope it's I'm so good. Sense. I'm like listening and soaking it in. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, you're helping and challenging me in ways too. Um, I think that it's been a harder thing in recent years to understand what self-care for me meant and like how do mm. I use that to – to care for my heart personally through physical things, like daily things, weekly things. I didn't mm. even know what I needed, to be honest. No. And some people need to go back to the basics of like, what do you actually need? Listen to your body, listen to you. And we don't listen to our body a lot. And then how much is, is actually helping others also self-care for me or, you know, and mm. thinking that as, you know, and not just doing it for that reason, but it actually is, it's actually good for our souls and our spirits yeah. to do that. Um, so kind of balancing that, it's just making me think about that. Well, also, I think when we're talking about getting on, one of the things I cannot stand and I have to be very patient with as well is we have a lot of this talk of getting our needs met. Do you, are you getting your needs met? Yeah. Well, actually, for me, as I began pastoring other people um, and not focusing on getting my needs met, I actually got my needs met mm. <laughs> because I was actually caring about other people. 
and and we've got to be very careful that we don't become rescuers and we're fixing people and I could tell you can tell when it's codependency or when it's actually love because you're not disappointed when they don't give you the same back you're not holding these elements of um, expectations I think for me um you know self-love might be me raising a conversation with another person going hey so you you've been getting in contact with me an awful lot can I just I'm just one of those who likes a bit of clarity and I'm no pressure on this at at all but are you interested in me (laughs) (laughs) and because if they haven't brought the conversation I don't want to start making assumptions that someone and we do this a lot so self-care for me is making making sure I don't do assumptions on other people going oh well you know he contacted me after 9 p.m last night which obviously only means one thing which is (laughs) he's clearly interested in me. Do you know what I mean? And it might be, a t- it might actually be contacting you from England and it's, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. So it's just, it's one of these things that we, we make so many assumptions based on how we're wired. And if I know how I'm uniquely wired, I can make sure I don't push that onto somebody else and mm. assume that that's someone else's thought. So those are moments of self-care for me is knowing who I am in the basis of other people Mm. Um, knowing that I'm sensitive in certain times of my my c- career and where I'm sensitive, mm. um, and just and so therefore taking care of the other person with me when I'm mm. sensitive, you know, yeah. Um, but and yeah. that's a huge part of that is self awareness. So I love that. Absolutely. So kind of like just this mm. charge of like figuring out who you are. Like I think that mm. is like if anything people can take away from today is like the singleness that we can reframe what this looks like and truly yeah. love and cultivate this time so beautifully mm. and use it to to know and learn and, and love about love ourselves and like rediscover kind of who we are maybe that mm. we've lost through the years or through just the beat down of feeling single mm. or feeling discouraged or having it not work out with a certain person or constantly feeling rejection um this time can actually be so beautiful to cultivate incredible things and to reestablish that love for ourselves that maybe we've yeah. lost from the past um well, that's yeah. the other thing as well. So I'm going on forever. You probably I love it. this podcast for <laughs> half an hour ago. One of the things that I, I'd, I'd just to give an example about understanding yourself, I remember having a conversation with a dear friend who's a Franciscan monk. He's been celibate since he was 12. He's in his 40s now. And so I have this relationship with a male that I obviously trust implicitly because I know there's no alternative agenda with him. <laughs> and he basically, I said to him, you know, I'm having this pattern happen where amazing guys in their 20s not 30s 20s are fascinated by me and they want to date me and they find me curious and almost like a conquest to their heroic stance of life (laughs) and I but 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 when it comes to guys my age I I don't seem to have anyone around me that are you know that are around so I'll go on a couple of dates with guys that are 10 years younger than me but then I'm, I'm slightly sad because I'm like, oh, there is a distinct difference when it comes to 10 years between your ages of 20s to 30s, right? So there's mm. a huge amount of life yeah. that you gain and we as women gain more and more and more muscles that we're learning into to surviving yeah. in life without a guy, so to speak. Anyway, he said to me, well, that's because you're a very different archetype to the guys. He said, those guys are probably like young knights. And he described them to a T, very um, self-motivated thing, very much taking care of themselves, uh, very focused on gaining wealth and being good at their jobs and very funny and very charming and very witty. And I said, yeah, that's exactly who they are. So there's nothing wrong with these guys. It's just we're in very different timings. 
And he said, well, that's because you've got a queen archetype. And I said, mm-hmm. what do you mean? He said, well, you kind of like, you're quite an influencer. You had these moments where, and I'd be, the British me goes, oh, no, stop it. I'm not that, you know, I'm not. <laughs> but I've had to start owning how I've been wired. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you're a bit more of a mother hen, but there's a, there's a conquest thing and a young knight, which is what these guys are, that are wanting to have you. But that's not supposed to be your equal. You're the type of woman, essentially, that needs to feel respect towards the guy that you're with because you can mm-hmm. actually maintain and manage an awful lot on your own. So this whole thing about being intimidating, which we hear an awful lot of women yeah. in our 30s say, it's actually about archetypes. It's nothing to do with the fact that you're intimidating because if you were to meet a king or a sort of warrior-like archetype, if that makes sense, you, those guys don't even blink at whether you're terrifying or if you say anything challenging towards them, they don't back down or say, that really hurt my feelings. They're like, <laughs> okay, you know. Yeah, they're resilient. Yeah, they're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so that gave me that. That was a self-loving conversation because I went, mm. oh, so there's nothing wrong with me. I've just mm. been dating a very different type of archetype of person that isn't actually wired for me. And funny enough, those guys end up being my friends. They don't end up being my you know, boyfriends. And the ones that are healthier can stay being friends with me and don't define my decision not to date them as something a lack yeah. of their worth. Yeah. And so uh, knowing yourself and knowing how why knowing these things that the Lord had built inside of you to co-labor with him, to do stuff with him is really important to know and learn. And I bet you anything, we've been defining ourselves so much by our dating past, a back catalog of disturbing experiences in our dating. And, <laughs> and then, and then we never actually own who we really are, yeah. which is, I, I mean, the guy you're going to be with is going to be amazing mm. because you, you, you literally, you can hold yourself so brilliantly. You're a mm. powerful woman. You, ha- you know your voice. You've been inviting lots of people mm. in. You're doing this just to help other people. <laughs> so there's going to be a guy that your strength is just, he's just going to adore your strength. And oh anyone God. that you end up dating is not going to be um, questioning your strength or, think, or complaining that you're a career woman where you're right. not you just doing your job. (laughs) I received that girl. They Mm. won't see it as intimidating, but rather like they admire it. They respect it. They want to come alongside it in some version or way. I love that. And that really, it's taken me a long time to even accept that identity too of Mm. like, because there's a lot of, you know, I come out and talked about this before, but like the, the idea that I'm good, but never enough. And that Mm. lie that especially through dating lots of guys were like, you're good, you're amazing, you're wonderful, but, and Mm. trying to face the but of like, well, (laughs) what, what is it then? um, But I have to believe, and at the core, I believe that God has created me this way and fashioned me this way, just as he's created you the way you are as a powerful woman Mm. and a speaker and a leader. Mm. And the right person, those people, there's nothing necessarily wrong with those people, but they, God, I feel like knew in one sense that they couldn't, um, join me and in this and that we couldn't Mm. run alongside one another in that. And I can see that now so much more clearly when I step back versus saying like, oh, you're so amazing. You're so good. But, and when I think about it that way, I'm like, it's so self-defeating because it makes you go into the lies and it makes you go into, well, what do I do need to do to change or how, will anyone actually value me versus yeah. now how I can see it, which is like, no, God has created me and called me to do these things for a reason and the right person 
And it only needs to be one, right? I don't need, like, that's why I see rejection as like, okay, it's okay. Because I don't need to marry every guy that I date. I don't need every person to want to be with me, honestly. Uh, it really only needs to be one person. And if it's not that one person. One person yeah. in one moment. That's yeah. the crazy thing, you know? Yeah. I, I think also the other thing is I had to be very careful about not holding on to the people uh, people's lines of you're great, but those moments that do, you know, as they're breaking away from mm. you, they give you a list of why they're not with you, which honestly, anyone that I'm guiding or passing go, that's the most toxic thing you can do to someone is mm. to part by all of these negative things. So mm. you, you, we have to be, I try to, in those conversations where I'm deciding not to be with that person after a few dates, or I just know that it's not going to continue any further to not give them, unless they are specifics, go, I just, I don't feel like the compatibility is actually there and not making it about them. Mm. But I I also want to give them a lem. I remember one guy saying, is there anything that I did that you think I should change for next time when I go? And I went, I think that's the worst thing for me to tell you. Mm. I said, I actually want you to leave me feeling more valued than when you came into this conversation. Mm. And so here's where you did, here's where you were great and brilliant Mm. and honestly this this reason of disconnection is not anything personal with you I just know me and I know what what I'm supposed to be with and Mm. it's what you are wired with and what you are designed to do is actually not 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 for me to be honest Mm. with you but I know that the woman against you is going to be one lucky girl and um and they can either take that or leave that. If they're really insecure, they're not going to believe you. If they yeah. are secure and they know their worth, then they go, "Yeah, you're right. She's going to be. She's going to be very lucky. <laughs> like, mm. Yes, she will be." <laughs> so trying to trying to leave them with a value point is key. Yeah, I always say like try to and I, people who's li- who've listened to this podcast hear me say this a lot, but I'm always like try to leave people better than you found them. And that was from mm. a pastor back in I interviewed last year, JP Pakluda. He first said that I can't even like take the claim for it, but I just reuse it over and over that that is a beautiful goal and that we should try to do and you see it like dating as this opportunity to to not feel so rejected that it takes us down and ruins our identity when we're so rooted in self-love and we're building these things like we're talking about of like taking care of ourselves, learning to be alone with ourselves, um, and just stewarding this time well, when we can leave a relationship and a rejection feeling like, okay, that didn't have to take me down, but I learned so much about myself in that process. And I want to like look back on my relationship saying like, I hope and pray that I can just leave people truly better than I found them. Okay, friends, you won't believe this, but at this exact moment in our conversation, me and Carrie's connection was lost and we just could not reconnect. It was such a bummer. So I just knew I couldn't end this episode without asking Carrie what was her final nugget of dating advice. So I had her send that in separately and I'm about to share it with you right now. It was so good that I didn't want you to miss it. So here is Carrie Lloyd's final nugget of dating advice. I think my dating advice would be Never assume. I know it sounds like such a basic thing, but the amount of conversations, that, including myself, where I've assumed that someone liked me through manner of lots of text banter, lots of conversations via phone or intrigue or lots of interactions on Instagram. They gave me one like, they gave me two likes. They obviously went through some of my photos because they liked three photos at the same time. 
And then all of a sudden, we've gone into this journey of now we're starting to think about what colour they should wear at the end of the aisle whilst we're walking down in our wedding dress to them. And um, we haven't even met them for coffee. So um, I don't do that these days. I would say, honestly, these these people that we are looking at as potential mates, as potential lifelong partners, have to be your friend. And so never be scared of fully trusting yourself to be friends with someone first. Don't try and rush the game. Don't try and fix your own needs with the rush of another romance. And um, for me, I really love getting to know men on a friendship level. And if they can't do friends with me, and I personally push back the pace to ensure that they can be friends with me, if they can't, then for me personally, that's a bit of a red flag. And I'll just continue to be friends with them if they can't manage that, if they have really high expectations of me as a friend, then that's probably the only time that I cannot be friends with those people. Um, just because it deeply hurts them to try and maintain a friendship with them. Um, but it's normally up to them to, adju- to, to adjudicate whether they want to be friends with me or not. I leave it in their court. And I don't let that define me. So don't assume always ask questions and communicate and over communicate if you have to but also look at them as a friend first look at them as to whether they have the friendship qualities you need ignore all of the packaging for the first part because you never know what a really great friendship can inspire uh, to catch fire so to speak in time to come so that's my tuppence for dating oh and also have fun have fun. Please stop taking ourselves too seriously. That's what I would, I'm asking myself that too. Don't take things too seriously and uh, don't overly process about dating or marriage too much because um, before you make it a much bigger thing on the agenda than it needs to be. That's not just one piece of dating advice, that's probably 20 pieces of dating advice, but they all sort of go together. (laughs) So anyway, I hope that helps. Friends, I just hope and pray that you feel so empowered and encouraged as you head into the Valentine's holiday. You should because Carrie just brought it today with vulnerability and practical thoughts and advice on singleness. I love that she said, in singleness, we have the opportunity to stretch muscles we wouldn't necessarily stretch when we are with someone. I love that so much. So friend, think about it. What muscles can you stretch today? What more could you be doing to commune with God, to cultivate holy ambition, to get to know yourself even more? What even could you be doing for others? This does not have to be a season of loneliness. It can rather be a season of lovingness. If y'all want to check out what Carrie is doing, go ahead and listen to her podcast, The Carrie On Podcast. Find her on Instagram and connect with her at at Carrie Gracie. And then lastly, go check out her incredible books on dating and sexual ethics on Amazon. They are called Prude and the Virgin Monologues. I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartofdating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends.